0: Okay, we are back. You are listening to Money Talk with Melanie. This is your business diva, Melanie Colette, And I am happy to say that we have joining us this morning, Mr. Dave Ray, who is the communications director for the federal, oh, excuse me, for the Federation for immigration, excuse me, for American immigration reform. And we're going to discuss with him the cost of illegal immigration this morning. How are you, Mr. Ray?
1: Doing quite well. How about you, Melanie?
0: I am awesome this morning. I was explaining to my audience during the open that usually I am just starting my cup of coffee when the show starts, but I'm already one cup in. So I'm I'm, Uh-oh. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tad bit <laughs> <laughs> So I'm a tad bit amped already. Already. So yeah, it
1: sounds like I'm in trouble here. Then uh, <laughs> if you're already ginned up and ready to go,
0: I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit hyped this morning, just, just a tad, <laughs> just a tad bit. I'm so happy to All have right. you on the show this morning. Uh, could you please uh, do, do me the favor of telling our audience, giving the audience a little bit of your background, and also explaining uh, to the audience what the Federation for American Immigration Reform does or or fair. So f- first your background
1: uh, and, and then uh, about FAIR. Well, my name is Dave Ray. I'm the director of communications for FAIR. I'm originally uh, from the Midwest. I uh, was actually an agriculture economics major at Ohio State and then came to D.C. and got all caught up in the political world and uh, uh, obtained my master's degree uh, in communication at night and uh, I have spent my entire career, really, in public relations. Uh, I started working for FAIR uh, about a year ago, Uh, like I said, I'm the Director of Communications. FAIR is Federation for American Immigration Reform. Uh, Yes, it's a mouthful, uh, but we are a group of about 1.3 million uh, citizens and members and contributors. Uh, across the country, uh, working to stop illegal immigration and reform America's legal immigration system in the national interest. Uh, Like I said, we've been around for about 40 years now. Uh, We've been very involved in pushing forth ideas. We're kind of an immigration reform idea factory, push forth ideas on how to uh, better secure the nation, how to Uh, uh, put together immigration laws that ensure that the people who we want to let in can get in and can stay in and that the people who we don't want to get in can't get in. Uh, And the ones who come here and misbehave are sent home in due time before they do any harm uh, to any Americans. And uh, we're just uh, thrilled to be able to have the uh, chance today to uh, chat with your viewers. Oh, with your uh, listeners. I,
0: I, I and I am very happy to have you here. There's a lot of... Now, I want to make sure that we're clear about this. You are not... Your organization is not against legal immigration. Am I correct?
1: You are correct. Uh, we have a lot of thoughts on legal immigration. I mean, just a, a quick background. Legal immigration has ballooned over the last 30 years. Our historic average is about 300,000 people a year. We're currently at about 1.1 million legal immigrants um, that we're taking into the United States every year. Uh, Most of those immigrants are not selected based on any specific... achievement or skill set or level of education, but simply because they have a relative here, sometimes a distant relative. Uh, So we would like to reform America's immigration policies. We would like to have a better mix between merit-based immigration so that we're actually selecting immigrants who have shown that they have uh, skills to contribute to the country so that once they get here, they can achieve, because uh, clearly we want everyone to be able to achieve the American dream. But we would also like to see a return of immigration levels back to more historic levels. We've advocated uh, levels around 300,000 a year, which, as I said, is is our historic average. But current bills in Congress, particularly one by President Trump would put that cap at about five hundred and fifty thousand a year. So, by no stretch of the imagination are we against legal immigration. Wherefore, sensible immigration levels.
0: Okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And and, and this is no different. And and this is uh, you know one of the things that I want to point out to to um, our audience is that this is no different than any other country on the planet. In fact, the, the reforms that you're looking for are, are still much looser than any other country. If you look, for example, just at Canada, for example, and at the restrictions that they have on their immigration laws, they're very, right. they're very um, strict on who they allow in their country.
1: Uh, Exactly. You know, what we're looking at, uh, one thing that Canada and Australia have both done, and the only reason I bring those two up is that they're the other two major immigration-receiving countries, although nobody comes close to the United States in numbers. But they've both shifted their paradigm to a more uh, merit-based and skill-based selection process. You know, by doing that, what you ensure is that the people you're selecting have the skills that it takes to succeed in a modern-day America. I mean, uh, people who are coming here are stepping into a very developed, advanced, high-tech society. So obviously the ability to read, uh, the ability to speak English, the uh, you know high math levels, uh, technological skills, these are all – very important uh Precursors to the success of the immigrant once they get here. Unfortunately, none of this is really taken into consideration for most of the immigrants who come in here because they're simply selected because they have a family member who's already here. So there's a, a bill that was put forth by Senator Tom Cotton and co-sponsored by Georgia Senator Perdue uh, called the Raise Act, and this was uh, em- largely embraced by President Trump, who's also. T- tweaking it a little bit. Uh, But what that bill would do would be to reduce uh, some of the extended chain migration and make a a more fair, equal mix between merit-based immigration and family-based immigration. So if you're selected as an immigrant, you would come to the United States bringing your spouse and minor children. That would be it. Your brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, anybody else, Uh, who who in your family who wanted to come would have to enter based on their own merit. They couldn't use their bloodline to get in here. So you would come in with your nuclear family, but you would have been selected uh, based on having skills that were going to uh, be a fair precursor uh, to uh, a a, a fair – Uh, criteria for um, judging whether or not you're going to be able to make it in today's society. Unfortunately, we have a very high immigrant welfare rate. Uh, Immigrants aren't doing well, by and large, in the U.S. They're having uh, quite a lot of struggles making it in this economy, and it's primarily due to the fact that we're not, by and large, selecting a lot of the right people.
0: Okay, exactly. And now... I guess my next question is, is this about racism? Because one of the accusations, and I think you, you've addressed it, but I, I just want to make sure that this is emphasized because one of the accusations that comes along with this, and I've actually been accused of this. I don't know if you've seen my, seen my picture in any of the promos, but I'm a brown person. And um, and I've actually been accused literally been accused of not liking brown people straight out right. of someone's mouth said you I I think you're you are you you don't like brown people and I'm like are you looking you're looking <laughs> you are, are you're looking at me right like and this was a face-to-face conversation
1: right yeah <laughs> well I mean you know it's uh that's not that unusual um Uh, I've come to the conclusion that when people run out of arguments, they resort to name calling, and that's really all the other side has left in the immigration debate. Anybody with half a brain can look at this and tell our immigration policies don't make sense. I mean, uh, we are no longer a vast open frontier that needs to be populated. We are a country of 320 million people that uh, has a very high-tech economy. Um, We have a huge number of Americans who've been displaced and have all completely left the workforce, largely due to mass immigration. Um, The immigration policies that that are are being considered before Congress uh, uh, treat everyone equally. They don't favor one group over the other. They don't Discriminate for or against by race, the type of criteria that they're looking for, whether it would be, you know, English abilities, high school education, limited college degree, technical skills, what have you. These are, um, the, these are all assets and abilities that you'll find on every continent on the planet. So uh, the entire swath of the world's population would be able to, to 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 fairly compete for visas to come to the United States. I mean, the other point is anybody who thinks that they're trying, we're trying to reform uh, immigration policies to favor Europeans. The fact is, Europeans don't really want to come here. No. Uh, they, Immigration from Europe is not in high demand. Europe is, is, most Europeans are quite happy remaining in Europe. So that's not the issue. The issue is um, trying to put together a non-discriminatory immigration policy that selects people based on merit and lets those who come in bring their nuclear families so that the nuclear family can stay intact.
0: And that that makes a, a ton of sense to me. Uh, you know from from a business yeah. perspective a- and from
1: but if you if you don't have any arguments against it you could just call the person a racist and then everything that comes out of their mind after out of their mouth after that point uh, is questioned and their motivations are questioned and uh, you know unfortunately immigration unlike other public policies can't be scrutinized fairly without name calling for example you and I could sit here and we could take U.S. education policy, you know, just rake it over the coals and pick apart the way education is handled and how the ABCs are done and math teachers and this and that. And nobody would accuse us of hating teachers or hating students. Uh, you try that same thing with U.S. immigration policy, and people are throwing out the R-word within the first two minutes of the conversation and accusing you of you know, being a hate monger and so on. You know, this is a public policy. Immigration policy is a public policy. It must be scrutinized. It must be able to stand up to the same scrutiny that our ob- other public policies like education, health care, and so on uh, – are 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 analyzed under, and
0: and and that makes a ton of sense. Now, I, I want to move on to talking about uh, the financial impacts uh, of illegal immigration. One of the things that um, th- that Fair does is they do a fair amount of, of research. A fair amount <laughs> they do a fair amount mm-hmm. of research um, o- on these things. So that right. you know, so that the American people and others are informed about various impacts of of immigration and illegal immigration, and mm-hmm. and there was a, there's a study I, I believe the last one was done in 2013, unless I, unless I missed a more recent one. But um, one of the studies that I saw noted that illegal immigration costs U.S. taxpayers about 113. Billion dollars a year at the federal, state, right. and local level, um, right? And at the bu-
1: mostly at the local level,
0: exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately,
0: and, and and one of the things that that I keep um impressing upon my audience when we talk about um when we talk about finances, particularly in the government, is that the federal right. government does not have to balance their budget, but your state and local governments absolutely do, and that makes a huge difference right well i mean
1: uh so so just a a few quick points off of that first of all let's talk about trump's wall and the cost of it people say oh goodness 15 to 30 billion dollars to build a wall along the u.s mexico border to staunch the flow of illegal immigrants isn't that an awful lot of money well the cost of doing nothing is unacceptable 113 billion dollars a year where do we get to 113 billion dollars think of it this way a man and his wife and their four kids come in and they're illegal immigrants picking strawberries in you know fresno california uh, making below below minimum wage uh, and under the books not paying into the system their four kids however are in fresno schools that's it between twelve and fourteen thousand dollars per child, uh remembering that uh, uh children with uh with limited English end up in uh English language training as well, which makes them even more expensive. Uh, when they get sick, they end up in the emergency rooms. Uh, because they live below the poverty line, they qualify for all sorts of, of, uh, assistance for food assistance and so on. Then any of their children born in the United States become U.S. citizens and then they have an anchor to the country. What the, you know, what, what I'm trying to say here is, uh, you know, doing nothing on illegal immigration, which is what we did for eight years under Obama, that was the most, by far, the most costly option available. Um, and by going out and finding the illegal immigrant population and sending them home, uh, will be a huge cost savings to this nation. It will restore uh, the sense that that government works, it will restore the rule of law to immigration policy, and it will also remove a heck of a lot of dangerous criminal aliens who are currently living amongst us.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And and, and as someone who taught in public schools, I, I can certainly attest to that. And I taught computer classes, which means um, it was a general class where they would do something called mainstreaming, which meant if, yeah. right, which meant if, if the student... Um, spoke a different language that we were expected to do something called differentiating instruction. Uh, so, so that we taught that student with pictures and things like that. Um, right. Right. Uh, um.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I had three different. Well, you know,
1: it's, it's interesting. It's you know, the proponents of open borders, you know, tend to be kind of the wealthy liberals, and they love open mass immigration largely because they're shielded because of their wealth, from the effects of the immigration policies that they force on the rest of us. Their kids aren't in public schools. They don't live in middle-class neighborhoods. I mean, when your child is in in a public school that has a large um, illegal immigrant population, or even a large legal immigrant population, you have a lot of limited English-speaking students in any classroom, it is going to divert education resources away from your kid and put it towards those kids. What's that going to do in the long run when your kid has to compete against my kid who didn't go to a high immigration school uh, to get into a college? My kid's probably going to be a few steps ahead of yours because he w- they will have had the, the full attention of, the, of the, the teacher and not had resources kind of diluted uh, be dealing with the large limited English speaking population. So, you know, it's kind of it's easy to advocate the um, the greatness of mass immigration as long as you don't have to deal with the effects of it and you can leave it to the to the middle and lower middle class to, to, to have to, to kind of deal with the real uh, real long-term effects of mass immigration.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, I can, I can tell you, as someone who, who has actually had to deal with it, that uh, you you absolutely, <sighs> as a teacher, are spending more time with those students than you are with the other students. There's just no way right. around it, no doubt about it. You are certainly doing right. that. Um, and and it, it's it's not fair to the other students in your class, it it just right. it just isn't, um, and, and you know property taxes and local taxes are what tend to be paying for, uh, paying for your education, and they tend not exactly. to be
1: homeowners,
0: so they're not they're not contributing to education.
1: Right, and you know look what just happened in Montgomery County in the Rockville High School a couple years a couple months ago where. You had two illegal immigrants, 118 119, who came into uh, the United States under Obama's catch-and-release program. They're both uh, from Central America. They were here illegally. They might have been even flown uh, from the border to Maryland to join uh, their illegal alien family members by U.S. taxpayers – Uh, That was a a fairly large and extensive program under Obama, but they end up in class with a bunch of ninth graders. Okay, why are these 18-year-olds in in the same class as 14-year-olds? Well, have they spent a large part of their life in jail? We don't know. They're illegal immigrants. They didn't go through a background check. We don't know anything about these kids, and now they've gang-raped an innocent 14-year-old girl in the middle of broad daylight in school. so uh this is what happens you know we we know better than to let strangers into our house we should know better than to let strangers into our country and unfortunately this young girl who was gang raped uh at her high school is going to be dealing with the ramifications of of failed immigration policies for the rest of her life
0: absolutely absolutely and and that's you know, that's part of the problem. And, and in many uh, uh, of the countries that these, you know, children, men come from, have huge problems with the abuse of children.
1: You know, you, right. you, you look well, I at mean, the And they think, two of these, they, they think these two guys are MS-13 gang members. Wonderful. So, on t- you know, but of, of course, how would we know that? They didn't go through a background check, they came in illegally. We have no idea what their health status is. We have no idea what their criminal records are. We have no idea why they're 18 year olds and testing to be in the ninth grade. I mean, it's just why we decided, why we would be so naive as a nation to let in a group of people who we know nothing about. Several hundred thousand of these uh, unaccompanied minors came into the country under Obama and then stick them in school with our kids. Now, let me. Let me rephrase that. They're not in school with the Obama children, of course, but they oh, were in school not. with everyone else's kids. Right. Why are we doing this? Insanity.
0: It's insanity. I, I agree. So but before I let you go, I, I would love for you to tell the audience. We, we I have to have you back on because we didn't get enough done. Uh, right. <laughs> um, but, uh, please tell the audience how to get in touch with you uh-huh. and, and how to get involved with FAIR if, if, if they possibly can.
1: Uh, go. Go. All right. <laughs> uh, well, this is a really exciting time in the immigration uh, reform debate. I mean, things are happening. This is a great time to get involved. You can find us on the web at FairUS. That's F A I R U S dot org. I would urge you to become a member that would uh, entitle you to a monthly newsletter that would keep you apprised of what's going on, and it would help give you a voice in the immigration reform debate. I mean, the way immigration is reformed is going to shape the future of the nation, and uh, we welcome new members and supporters, uh, fairus.org.
0: Thank you so much. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm looking forward to having you back because we have so much. More Please do. To discuss. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Absolutely. So as did I have a great day.
1: You too.